JD. Thanks for joining. Tell me a little bit about your business. So I am the owner of South by Laser Concepts. It originally started as just a generic laser engraving company doing the tumblers, office signage, wood signs, the same thing that every other laser engraver does. Um, failed to close the doors. Now uh, we are rocking and rolling doing leather patches that are laser engraved on hats, like what I'm wearing here. What's behind me up there? All those hats. Um, and that's what we do. We, we do uh, leather hats with company brands, club brands, or logos, um, events, um, weddings, anything like that. Anything that you want a hat for, we're going to make it for you. <laughs> you do, and you make amazing, amazing hats. When you were you. younger, did was this... Did you want to go into entrepreneurship? Like when you were 10, what did you think about being when you grew up? When I was 10, I probably still wanted to be like a professional Lego builder or something. I have no idea what I wanted when I was 10. (laughs) Nothing responsible. I guarantee that. (laughs) Nothing responsible. When, because you're a military veteran, right? When did you decide to go into the military? When did you be, start becoming serious about what was next in adulthood? Uh, let's see, I joined after one semester of college. So I was 18 when I joined. Uh, my dad was military, my brother was military, my grandfathers were military. It was just kind of a, what we do. It's just family tradition. Uh, I was like so many other people, I was on the, the wrong path. So it was just a smart idea for me to adjust fire and join the military and sort of keep doing stupid things I was doing. What kind of path were you on that it was wrong? Oh, the the typical 18-year-old smoking pot, getting drunk every night, every day, going out partying, not attending class. I was enrolled, but I didn't go to college, if that makes sense. Yeah. that's Uh, Just just really, really immature and self-centered at that point. So what branch did you decide to join? I joined the Air Force and uh, I scored high enough on the ASVAB. I could have had pretty much any job and I decided to go security forces, which required the lowest ASVAB score because I wanted to be a badass and carry a gun. And in hindsight, I should have done something with a lot more uh, real world training. Mm -hmm. And, uh, something that was that could transfer to the real world a little better, but it is what it is. So how was your time? How long were you in the air force? I was in for uh, just under five years. I was stationed in uh, Lackland in San Antonio for the whole time. Basic training was there. My tech school was there. Permanent party was there. Um, did a short stint in Albania and Kosovo in 99. Um, when all that stuff was going on over there. It was, quote-unquote, a humanitarian effort. Um, I spent some time in Saudi Arabia for six months or so. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which. I think it was when I was coming back from Saudi Arabia. They had the flights back to the States were all space available on commercial flights, so um, they needed a couple of volunteers to stay back in Germany until they can get us back home for two weeks non-chargeable leave. I was like, Pick me. So I got to hang out in Germany for a couple weeks, which was pretty cool. And uh, like any other 21 year old, I just stayed really drunk on high alcohol, 
German beer for two weeks. It was amazing. <laughs> and when you came back, so what year, how old were you when you got out of the Air Force? 23, I believe. Was direction clearer? Was adulting a little easier? No, absolutely not. Um, I was politely asked to leave for some poor decision-making by the Air Force, not my proudest moment. Um, I got out with a general under honorable. I made some stupid mistakes towards the end. Um, and I was just bitter, angry, guilty, um, any other emotion you can throw in there. So I just, like a lot of guys or gals that are getting out, just, just went into this downward spiral of alcoholic drugs and being responsible and adulting was the farthest thing from, from my mind at that time for probably the first year I was out. What happened in that year? What was that first year that you were out? What were you doing for money? What were you doing for yourself? Um, I, I took a job bartending because why not? And it was right across the bar I was working at was directly across the street from the apartments I was living in. Um, so I can get drunk and crawl home, literally. Um, the bar I was working at, there was a lot of various illicit substances that were going in and out of there. And uh, so it was free. So it's easy to get hooked on something when it's free and it's just thrown at you literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I was also uh, really big into performing music. Uh, in a couple bands so another way to just have be surrounded by drugs and alcohol and stupid decisions um like my brother found my my stash one day and uh threw me through a wall and, and i don't mean like pushed me up against it angrily and scolded me i mean i went through two separate things of sheetrock threw me through the wall and basically had a come to jesus moment with me and been clean since that day. Uh, cold turkey from. Your brother did this yeah. for you. Yeah. And were you that first year, were you using drugs and alcohol as a way to escape? Were, were you running from something? I think it was a combination of not wanting to deal with reality, mm -hmm. wanting the party life because it was fun. At the time, I was, my wife and I were just dating. I think we were like pre-engaged. Mm-hmm. And she had, uh, she had left me because of the, the drugs and alcohol. And uh, luckily, I gave it all up because we're going to celebrate 15 years married next month. Congratulations. 17 years. If she hears this or watches this, she's directly responsible for me being alive today. So Wow. And so your brother throwing you through two walls and you had your come to Jesus moment. What was your first step out of that? So you've given up that life. Now, now what's next for you? Um, really, I've bounced around a lot from job to job for quite a while. Still not really, truly responsible. I was probably 28, 29 before I got a good, solid grip on what I needed to do to be an adult. And it was mm -hmm. shortly after my first son was born. And it was like, yeah, I really got to. When did you decide to go into business? How old were you? I'd half-assed tried it several times, but I think the first time I really gave it a go was three years ago, four years ago, so mm -hmm. mid-30s. 
Um, and that's when I first opened Southpaw the first time around before I, before it flopped. You lost everything your first go round. Yeah. Yeah. I closed the doors. It was, it wasn't a bad idea. It was just ran very poorly and it wasn't with malcontent or lack of drive. It was just poor decisions from ignorance, just not knowing how to do it right. And then, so once you closed the door, what w- what did you do? I went, um, well, I would, I've been in the oil field since 2008 timeframe mm-hmm. working various jobs. I worked starting off with, you know, just bottom of the barrel job that you can teach a monkey to do. And then ended up graduating from a few engineering schools, doing engineering in there. Um, and then just worked my way up. And, uh, so when I shut the doors for my company, I went right back to the oil fields, which is what I knew. And, uh, did that up until a few months ago, they were trimming the fat and Mm -hmm. I made it to like the fourth round of layoffs. And it was that time. You're doing exceptional things now in Southpaw. It reopened. How did you get the encouragement and the energy, the motivation to start it up again and to do it again? Was it a conscious decision? It was an accident. It was a very fortunate accident. Um, when I closed down every uh, the doors the first time, I kept all the all the equipment, the machinery, everything like that to do it. And uh, I still did fun projects around the house just for me, just why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, I am a hat whore. I was spending a stupid amount of money on hats every month. Like I'm talking three to five hats every month I would buy, mm-hmm. and I'd wear them, and then I'd mow the lawn wearing a brand new hat and it's all sweaty and dirty. I'm like, Oh, well I need a new one. Cause this one's dirty and you're just constantly buying new hats. And, and, uh, I was like, you know, I'm just going to make myself some. Mm-hmm. So I found a place where I could order hats, you know, not quite wholesale pricing, but cheaper than what you can get them at the store. Just blanks, um, with nothing on them. Got some leather, made a few designs just for me, just for fun. Posted pictures on Facebook. And next thing I know, like a thousand dollars worth of orders and i'm like holy crap i guess i should get a business license and do this legit and initially after um after i'd shut down last time i had zero desire to go back into business for myself again it was never a conscious decision to to open up another business let alone the same business um and so I was like, screw it. You know, if it makes a couple extra hundred bucks a month, you know, we can put that away for family vacations or barbecues or nice knickknacks here and there, date nights, whatever the case may be. And uh, it just kept gaining, uh, gaining traction, gaining traction, gaining traction. And next thing I know, it's almost matching my salary from the oil field. So like you've done well, what do you attribute it to this time around? Is it just the right time? The right people. The uh, right people. What do you mean? Just surrounding myself with the right people. Um, and and just having a lot more clear idea of how businesses actually work this time around. Um, having done a lot of, in the military, you have the AARs, after action reports, you know, mm-hmm. where you find every flaw that caused something right. and everything that was good that made something go right. Evaluated all of those. And then just surrounded myself with the right people. Um, you know, my, my, of course, my wife being on board, 
and supported me. Um, people like Chris Griffith, who's not in the same industry as me, but just super smart, always there for questions, answers, um, pissing, moaning, crying, everything else. Uh, Robert Garcia, I can't give him enough credit. He's That guy has elevated me since day one before I failed the first time. He's always, always, always been there for me. Um, just having the right people in my corner to mm -hmm. to push me in the right direction and not let me fail this time around has really helped out. There's no way I could have seen anything remotely close to the success I've seen so far without without them. And so it's a, it's a different network. It's a different approach. And you're doing something that you you can tell you love doing this. You've, it's fun for it's you. Fun. I get to play with a laser. I mean, come on. <laughs> what grown man would not smile when he pushes go on a laser and is watching a laser being burned something? <laughs> I've been doing it for three years. I still chuckle every time I push go. <laughs> that is so, so true. Your hardships, though, hasn't always been around business. You experienced just added up personal losses in your life as well. Almost as though it was run right after the other. I'll go into detail with those in just a second, but that's another thing that kind of attributes to the success now is going through as much loss as I did as quickly as I did. Um, it kind of makes you reprioritize a lot of, a lot of things. And uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning of that one. Uh, February 24th, 2013, I get a phone call saying my brother was uh, hit on his motorcycle um, that's all the details I had. I was on an oil rig about an hour and a half from the house. I made it there in about 45 minutes. And, um, when I got there, he was already passed. Um, he was prior army ranger. He had, uh, survived seven years in Iraq as a contractor, came back with all his fingers, toes and everything. And so we were, we were blessed to get him back. And then, uh, yeah, and then he was taken away from us at, at 41 years old. Um, then following January, 11 months later, my uh, dad got home from work and uh, had a massive stroke. Nobody saw it coming. And uh, pretty much he was dead before he hit the ground. I got a call from my mom at like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm hauling ass to her house. And I get there. Uh, EMS was, was trying to revive him. And he never came back. Several months after that, my wife and I lost a child. And about six months after that, my uh, uncle passed away, had a heart attack out in the, out in the field. So that was all within 36 months. And my uncle, he was kind of like my second dad. When I ran away from home as a teenager, I lived in his backyard in an RV, you know, just I really didn't run away from home. I just stayed with my uncle for a while. Right. Um, it was a lot really fast that triggered a, a pretty gnarly downward spiral for a little bit. And um, a lot of anger, a lot of alcohol again, a lot. And then uh, after about six months of just self pity and drinking, seeing the way it was affecting my children. When I saw my son throw something across the room and scream and punch something. I was like, whoa, it's time to reevaluate and uh, straighten up your life. 
what was that first step that you took? How do you even begin to start movement from all of that? And in, in such, a I, I honestly don't know what the first step is, and I don't know exactly when things got better. You know, I was between that and just everything else. I mean, there was one point where I almost committed suicide. It was on my birthday. I think it was my thirty-sixth birthday. Um, that morning, I checked myself into counseling, and that, I think that was the biggest turnaround for everything. I, I went to counseling for about a year. Um, once or twice a week, just kind of as as needed type thing, and identified a lot of issues that were new and old. Learned how to deal with them, learned how to process them. Uh, quit carrying around so many crosses I didn't need to be carrying around, and just focus on now and future and what I have, and press on. You're carrying around all of these emotions, and are you still carrying those around? Are there still days where it's overwhelming? Everything's a small victory. And if you celebrate all those small victories, then they all lead to the big victory, which is being alive and hopefully being a good role model for somebody or pushing somebody in the right direction or motivating somebody, inspiring somebody, just not being a screw up. Well, you're definitely doing that. I told you from the beginning, you have been in the majority of my podcasts and I had not met you either, either by your hat, by name, by mention, by story or all of it. Um, everyone speaks so highly of you as not just a craftsman at your trade and the quality of business that you run, but the quality of person you are how important you are in their network. Do you see yourself as that influential and that impactful for others? No, not at all. No? Just, no, I'm just some guy. <laughs> I, I, anybody that says that I uh, helped them out, I have no clue how. I'm glad I did, but I'm just some guy just fumbling through life the same way everybody else is. And, uh try to make it appear a lot prettier than what it is. You, you don't put on dressing. In fact, you've said that one of the big things that you do now is you're very open and transparent about the failure of the business, about your story. Why, why are you so transparent? Why aren't you holding all of that close to the vest? Like most people would. If, if my screw ups and my failures can help somebody succeed and keep them from making the same mistakes, then why keep that to myself? That's just, it's selfish to, to not let somebody else know that that's in the same situation. You know, if you have, if you have the tools to get somebody over at help, why keep that to yourself? And you attribute that to why you're so successful this time around? Possibly. I didn't think about it, but it, it could be. I, just a lot of the success this time around, and I still don't want to call it a success. It's still fresh. It's still new. Uh, it's paying the bills, so that's obviously a win, but I don't want to call it a success yet. But I'm seeing these these small victories because of the people I have around me. It's not all of me, and I can't stress that enough. Well, you actually wrote something. Oh, the... Uh, I wrote, uh, it's probably two or three pages long. It's called uh, An Arsenal of Hindsight. And it was 
basically having an honest come to Jesus talk with myself about everything that I did that screwed up the the business the first time around. And it was having to be extremely honest with myself of, of the mistakes and why they happened, how I cannot do it again. And it's stuff that I don't just apply to just business, but just one of the, one of the things was desperation. I was desperate for sales and desperate for business the first time around. It was I didn't have anything in the bank. It was paying my monthly bills. It was paying my car. I was like this close to losing my my truck. You know, close mm-hmm. to losing the house. I mean, just lying to the to my wife about the finances, making it appear to her that it was better than what it was. I mean, just mistake after mistake after mistake, and and I had to be honest with myself about all that stuff. How hard was that to be honest? It wasn't that hard, actually. I mean, if you make the decision that you have to be honest with yourself, it should just come easily. You may not be happy with all the answers you find if you're honest with yourself, but it shouldn't be that difficult to do it. And if it if it makes you uncomfortable to think about that, then it's obviously striking a nerve and you know that you can't do that again. And you have to push through it, right? If it if it's something that makes you uncomfortable and it strikes a nerve, it's definitely, would you say something that's probably standing in your way? So the, the old saying, you know, you put your hand on a, on a stove, you're only going to do it once because it hurts. Right. Well, that's how it should be with this as well. You know, you're going to learn from it and move on and don't make that same mistake again. Have you aligned how you handle the mistakes that you've maybe made in business to the same way that you'd handle mistakes? In life, in general, yeah. I mean, business and me—it's the same person. It's not. There's not a light switch that says this is business JD and this is real life JD. It's the same person. So, the way I do everything is exactly the same across the board. So you're in perfect alignment. Who you are? You don't wear uh, different hats. And yes, that pun was intended. <laughs> um. I think to a degree, everybody is a slightly different version of themselves, depending on who they're around, who they're talking with, or, but in general, yeah, I'm the same person all the time. And do you see Southpaw being the success that you originally hoped it would be the first go round? I think it's going to be bigger. I have ridiculous goals for Southpaw. Um, I just want to keep pushing it, pushing it and sell it for a hundred gazillion dollars down the road and retire and pay the kids college and all that good stuff. But um, I know it's an uphill battle, but it, it's fun this time around. It's you, you I mean, seem like you're having fun. I mean, don't give me, it's definitely got its stresses, you know, trying to make sales and keep up with fulfilling orders and shipping and bookkeeping and do I, I'm a one man shop. I do everything. Right. And uh, trying to do it all, it, it does get stressful, but it's rewarding and it is fun. And uh, especially seeing people smile and get these messages when they get their product, you know, they get their hat and it's the first time I see it and they send me a picture and I can see the glow. That's what makes it worth it. You know, it's not all about the money like it was the first time around. And loving, having fun what you're doing, having fun doing it and loving what you're doing, that kind of offsets some of the other stressors that you have. Yeah. yeah. It's important for entrepreneurs or people that are starting out. They need to, you need to enjoy what you're going out there and doing. 
So money's not, I mean, money's essential because mm-hmm. you have, you know, food, shelter, clothing, future colleges that you have to pay. <laughs> but when do you find in business when you don't let money be the motivator and you let the joy of what you're doing, do you think that you have better success that way or? Oh, absolutely. Um, going back to Robert Garcia, one of the things that we talked about long time ago, long, long time ago, and it took admittedly a lot longer for it to get through my skull than it should have. But the uh, abundance mindset versus poverty mm-hmm. mindset, if y'all don't know what it is, research it and apply it. It definitely makes a difference. But for so long, I, I, I equated abundance and poverty with dollar signs and decimals, not the ability to give or hold on to something. Having my personal understanding of that and, and, and applying it has made a big difference as well. Did everything, I know that everything changed you. You know, it's, it's, it's shaped you and it's, made you change the way that maybe you look at things like the all of your life experiences um including failures missteps even victories and successes and losses and wins and all of that has shifted you to who you are right now what would you say is the biggest contrast from 18 year old you and today you 18 year old me was the most self-centered, selfish, self-righteous, ignorant, proud, but fun person I ever knew. I mean, that was fun. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. I wasn't all negative, but I was extremely self-centered. And um, another person I haven't mentioned, I don't think yet, was uh, Stephen Kuhn with his, uh, with his hit method, honesty, integrity, transparency. Something about applying that. And, and those principles and, and learning to be humble. That's a big difference from 18 year old me and 40 year old me. Well, what's next for you? I don't know what the future holds. I'm just going to keep pushing as hard as I can. And, and hopefully every month gets better. I haven't gone backwards yet. So you do. Um, I don't know something. It's like a sprint goals almost. You yeah. do you do quick bursts of goals. Okay, I've hit it. Now the next one. Now I've hit it. The next one. Instead of that whole five year plan, reverse engineer all of that. I don't plan that far out because do I honestly know if I'll even be around in five years? Do I know if I would still want to do this business in five years? So I'm just gonna hit it up as as much as I can while I can, and we'll see where the future takes us. I mean, there's no yeah no guarantee. Let's just push right now as hard as we can every day. That approach gives you a bit of freedom. It doesn't tie you like, you know, people that will dig their heels in to make that original goal work. But the way you're doing it, it kind of keeps you open for other happy accidents to happen. Yeah, Yeah. as long as they're happy accidents. (laughs) As Um, long as they're happy. And I have to say things that you have said today in this interview, um, things that I might have been a little shaky on this week, you have strengthened. So I appreciate that. And thanks for being who you are and sharing your story. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. Uh, Anybody that's listening to this, feel free to reach out for anything. Hats, advice, uh, bad advice. I'm really good at that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you need help with anything, just reach out. If I don't have the answer, I'll try to find it for you. So 
Perfect. And before we go, please tell people how to order your hats, your beautiful, magnificent hats. All right. So um, you can either go to the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Southpaw Laser Concepts. Um, or you can go to getsouthpaw.com. It's G-E-T southpaw.com. All one word, no hyphens, no anything. Just um, go there if you want something off the retail line. Just click the buy button. And if you want custom stuff, click the uh, start your custom order button. And it'll email me. And I'll either email or call you back within 24 or 48 hours to try to keep everything as quick as possible. Very quick turnaround. I can attest to that. Thank you so much. Go enjoy your Saturday and your weekend. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We here at the Andrew Podcast want to send a special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters that's helping us keep the show going and elevate our game. Special, special shout out to our co-producers, Jen B and Twala M. Thank you again for your support, your insightfulness, and your encouragement. If you'd like to support the Ambry Podcast, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Ambry. The next time you're in the market for a hat, head on over to getsouthpaw.com. Check out JD Tierney and his laser engraved customized leather patches on quality hats. The quality, the craftsmanship, the beautiful, beautiful designs that you will receive are second to none. Again, that's GetSouthPaw.com. Thanks, guys.